Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Thank you, choir, for that offering of worship. Let me invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. We are continuing in our sermon series, What the Soul Needs, and today we are talking about the soul's need for value. And so let's look to Jesus' words to us in Matthew chapter 10, beginning with verse 24. Jesus says, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, as we come to your word again today, we once again long for a word from you that will help us live as we have been created to, that will help us live as you have called us to. And Lord, we take great delight in knowing that you desire that even more than we do. And so please give us eyes to see Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts and souls that would be responsive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thomas Lawrence was a British scholar and soldier perhaps best known as Lawrence of Arabia. And in 1919, Lawrence attended the Paris peace talks and brought some of his friends from Arabia with him. These friends of his were fascinated most not by the Louvre Museum or by the Arc de Triomphe or by the culture of France. No, what fascinated them most was the faucets in their bathrooms. For they discovered that they could turn them on and have all the water they needed, which was not the case in the desert. As Lawrence was preparing to leave the conference, he discovered that his friends had secured plumbing tools and were removing the faucets from their bathrooms. Their reasoning was when they had those faucets back in Arabia, they would have all the water they wanted. And Lawrence had to explain that, no, the true source of that water actually came from a place that they could not see. You know, we chuckle at this limited awareness. 
And yet we can have a similar perspective when it comes to our own understanding of our lives. We place great value on external activity that is most easily seen in our lives. And we overlook the value of our souls deep within. The reservoir out of which life flows. Dallas Willard writes, our soul is like an inner stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other element of our life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do and all else within us is enlivened and directed by that stream. Our soul has greater value than we often realize, for it brings order and meaning to all that we do. Jesus is emphasizing the value of the soul in today's text. And in the larger context of this passage, he is warning of persecution and and hardship that is to come. And he instructs that when it does, his followers are not to be afraid of those who can kill the body, but not the soul. Do not be afraid is a frequent exhortation from God and his messengers to his people. It speaks to God's understanding of how easily we can be afraid and of his desire to put our hearts at rest. And the phrase, do not be afraid, is found three times alone in today's passage. And so it's a bit of a surprise that in this same passage, we also find Jesus telling us to be afraid. And that this is so out of character, points us to the importance of Jesus' words in verse 28 when he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus is reminding us of the eternal nature of our soul. And he's urging us to value it more than anything else. For we will all one day stand before God who will determine our soul's destination. And we are preparing even now for that moment. Last week, Tim reminded us of the soul's need for a savior. Jesus valued our soul so much, he gave his life to save it. And here he's telling us of our need to value it just as much in the choices that we make. If you have not committed your soul, your life to God, Please consider doing so and talk to a pastor about it because the soul has greater value than we often realize. It will last forever. And so the question before us this morning is how do we value? How do we care for 
our soul that is before us. It's not an easy thing to do, to be more attentive to that part of us that is least easily seen. And we may find ourselves wincing at the thought of adding one more thing to our lives that are already flowing. But here's the thing. If we don't value our soul today, we will pay a price for it tomorrow. For the soul brings order and meaning to all that we do, and it will live forever. Let's bring this next slide up. I'm a little afraid to ask where our graphic department found this picture on the left, but you see the contrast here in the quality of the water, and we know that the difference is not the faucet. The difference is the source beyond the faucet. And so here's the point. The valuing that we do or don't do with this source of life deep within us will make all the difference in the quality of life that emerges both externally and also eternally. There's a story of a, of a traveler who wanted to make his way across Africa, and so he hired local people to help carry his camp. And the first day they made great progress, and again the second day so much further than he had hoped, and so he was anticipating reaching his destination by the third day. But when this traveler awoke on the third day, he found to his surprise that his hired help was not striking the camp. They were actually just sitting around the camp doing nothing. Angrily, he asked the translator what was going on. And the translator responded, they have gone so far, so fast, they are waiting for their souls to catch up. Friends, would we value our soul in similar ways and to find steps to care for it? One of the best ways we can care for our soul is by giving it rest. And in fact, this is so important. Tim will spend an entire sermon on rest for our soul in three weeks. And I would encourage us to be thinking between now and then of ways in which we can build rest for our soul into our lives. To allow it to catch up if we have been going too far, too fast. And so since Tim is going to preach on that, let me offer this morning two other ways that we can care for our souls. First of all, we connect our soul to its author. And when we do this, we have the greatest potential to say, as we read in Psalm 23, he restores my soul. Our soul was made to crave connection and alignment with the one who created it. And this is what this prompts the psalmist to write in Psalm 42, my soul thirsts for God. If you use a computer, you know that now and again you will get a message that says it needs to restart so that necessary updates 
can be installed. Well, the same is true for our soul. God has programmed our internal software, so to speak. And we care for our soul by allowing it to reboot with him, to be connected to its operating system. For you see, our soul's ultimate value is found in its connection with God. He created it. He loves it. He saved it at great expense to himself. And every day, God longs to build up our soul, to heal it from the damage done by the world around us or even by ourselves, to nurture and strengthen and deepen our soul's capacity to remain calm even in the midst of turbulence going on around us. God values our soul so much more than we often realize. And he longs for us to do the same by bringing it to him. Now, this is not always an easy thing to do because activity fills our lives, hindering us from being responsive and available to him. And carving out time for our soul to be with God feels like it goes against the flow. But we value our soul by making the effort to connect it with its creator. One of the things I have found that is most helpful to me is to take periods of silence each morning just to give some quiet space to my soul. Yes, my mind wanders far more often than I wish it did, but I picture this as times when I am just sitting with God, bringing my soul to him. I have over the years started journaling my prayers to him so that I can articulate to him whatever each day weighs heavy upon my soul. Each of us will connect our soul to God in different ways. But the important thing is that we value it enough to consistently create opportunities for it to connect with its maker. The second way that we value our soul is we listen to it. We listen to our soul. And again, the psalmist in Psalm 42 is our model. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Not only is our soul a source of life, it can also be jostled by the events of life. And our soul can become a holding place for fear, anxiety, stress, or uncertainty. And so listening to our soul helps us better understand when and why things are amiss within us. And when our hearts are connected with God, our questions of our soul actually become prayers for understanding from God. God, why did I feel so off balance today? God, what was the cause of that? 
Parker Palmer has observed that the soul is like a wild animal, tough, resilient, resourceful, savvy. It knows how to survive in hard places, but it is also shy, just like a wild animal that seeks safety in the dense underbrush. If we want to see a wild animal, we know the last thing we should do is go crashing through the woods, yelling for it to come out. And so listening to our soul requires us to slow down, to quiet down, to exchange an external focus for an internal focus so that in the quietness of those moments, we can hear what God wants to say to us through our soul. How do we do this in the midst of noise and activity in our lives? The last couple weeks I have found this soul assessment helpful that was passed out the first week of our series. A way each morning of looking at it and just asking my soul, how are we doing today? Where are we on this assessment? If you were not able to get one the first week, they're at both of our reception desks and you are welcome to pick one up to uh, help you during this series be able to listen perhaps to your soul. Or maybe we ask our soul while we're driving, God, soul, why did I respond to this person the way I did today? Or soul, why am I so anxious about this day that is before me today? And to listen as we are driving to what God may desire to say to us. Most of us hate waiting in line. But why not make those moments of soul checkup, even for two or three or five minutes if the line is particularly long, just as we are standing there to say, soul, how are we doing today? And to listen to what God may want to say to us during those moments. Learning to listen to our soul helps us become attuned to things that we may otherwise miss. Our awareness of what we are thankful for can lead to a greater perception of gratitude. We become better aware of sensing and responding to, to the Spirit's stirring within. God's still, small voice. We value our soul enough that we listen to it for what God wants to reveal to us through it. In his book, Soul Keeping, John Ortberg tells a story of a town high up in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by strings, str springs even higher up, and the water was so clear that children would play by its banks, and swans would swim in it, and people would come to see the beauty of the stream and the town. Much higher than the town, out of sight, was an old man who had been hired as the keeper of the stream. And it was his job to go around to the springs and to remove any debris that might pollute the clear, pure nature of this water. 
No one could remember how long ago he'd been hired. He just was always there, and no one ever saw his work. One year, the town council decided that there were more pressing needs than this unsupervised person whose work was never seen, and so they let him go. The old man left his post, and debris began to accumulate in the springs, and mud and sediment in the bottom of the string high up. And at first, people didn't notice a difference, but eventually they noticed that the water was becoming brackish, and the swans flew away, and people became sick, and others no longer came to visit the town and its stream. The town council reconvened and determined they needed to find the resources to hire this keeper of the stream again, and they did, and he returned and began cleaning out the springs, and eventually the water once again flowed beautifully through the town, and the children played, and the swans returned, and the people once again came and visited the town and its beautiful stream. And Ortberg ends this story with these words. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. In the days ahead, how will we seek to be keepers of our soul? Will we connect them with their authors so that we can receive life-giving resource from those connections for how we live? Will we listen to our soul and what it is that God wants to reveal to us through it? Your soul has tremendous value to God. He made it. He saved it. And he looks forward to enjoying it for all of eternity. May we value our soul no less. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, deepen our understanding of this part of us that is so easy not to see. So easy not to think of, so easy not to remember and not to value. And yet, as we have been reminded this morning, Lord God, oh, how important it is that we value our soul, our source of life. And so, Lord God, give us wisdom. Give us understanding to know what that looks like, each of us, in our own lives, to connect it with you and to listen to it, and all of the other ways we can give it value. Lord God, thank you that you would value our souls so much. Help us to do the same. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.